we need to start with probably the biggest tech story since the last time we spoke together, and I think that's probably the release of the Galaxy S9. Yeah, which I am not very excited about. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's the most hotly... You already have two? Yeah, it's the most hotly anticipated smartphone of the year, and uh, I think it I think it warrants a bit of a conversation. Especially on the way it looks because it looks terrible for if you if you ask me i think it's a step back visually well i i think it's just if you were going to make kind of a boring smartphone in 2018 i think uh i think you would probably form a committee and then that committee would come up with the galaxy s9 because it seems like Nobody uh nobody had any opinions in that room. It's it's too safe, I think. In the that's the fingerprint reader on the back right, right under the camera. Yeah, and I think I that they were trying to move it so that you weren't touching the lens, right? But it's still the placement's still weird. I just I just don't understand why they went with this design. It's not it's not fresh, it's not new, it's not copying anything other than other android phones that look like this maybe the lg uh g4 or g5 you know where they have the thing on the back yeah but that one's much more functional yeah well i don't know i i feel like with the with the iphone 10 apple kind of went all in and and said hey you know what we're going to do away with the fingerprint reader um and we're going to unlock in a new way um and i i don't think that I don't think that Samsung did the same thing, and I'm definitely not saying that they should have copied the design of the iPhone 10. But I just think that there's still a lot of stuff in that phone that's legacy. Maybe that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's just it's not a step forward. It's a, more of a step to the side. I'm sure it's a great phone internally. Yeah, I, I think it looks. I mean, I think if you held the S9 up to the S8, you would say. Man, those are not that different. And in in the same way, people for years said that Apple was doing the same thing with their designs. I mean, obviously, the six lasted all the way to the eight, you know. Yeah. But they did have one more thing. <laughs> and um, that thing is is obviously, you know, the notch on on the display. And I... I've seen a lot of news out of Mobile World Congress, and I saw people that were just copying the notch and bragging specifically that it was smaller than Apple's notch, <laughs> but yet there was – the notch is there for a reason, right? I yeah. mean, there's there's basically a little Microsoft Connect that's shrunk down and put in that space for Face R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> um, so – with the S9, I, I think that the camera is probably excellent, right? From mm-hmm. from everything that we've seen and all the all the tests and the early reviews, it seems like that thing is uh, is really high quality. But from a design perspective, I think that they didn't fix some other things that we wanted to talk about, and um, by leaving in that that um headphone jack specifically mm-hmm. uh there was an article on iMore that was kind of describing the the layout of the ports and everything on the bottom of 
of the devices. And I'm going to put that link in the show notes, but you can see just, just how misaligned and how uneven the speakers and the charging port and the, uh, and the microphone and, and everything are on those phones. And it's, it's both the top and the bottom. And I mean, why do you think that Apple gets that right where other manufacturers seem to struggle a bit? Well, I think they, they've, they've always had an eye for the fine details like that. And I think that's part of their MO and Android phones aren't really, no one's really, they don't, I don't think that people care as much. Yeah. I, I think you kind of pay for the design, whereas you're mm-hmm. really just having a, a super functional utilitarian phone. And I think, I think that that's what Samsung turned in this time. Yeah. And I mean, there's the perspective of saying, Hey, it's a super open platform. And, and I think you can really say that about the, about Samsung's phones in particular. I mean, you have a headphone jack, you have expandable memory, mm-hmm. uh, on some of them, you have an infrared port. I mean, <laughs> there's, you, you can't buy that device from Google, right? If you buy mm-hmm. a pixel, you're buying essentially like an iPhone. Yeah. Um, just, just with, uh, software variation. Yeah, it's interesting to look at the uh, the ports and the different holes all over the devices on these. It, it's like they have they have industrial designers at Samsung, right? And I'm sure when they look at the bottom of those phones and they're looking at those ports and their misalignment, they're cringing. But I think at the end of the day, it's just like, hey, we have ran. <laughs> they've ran their phone campaign on saying, Hey, we're not taking out the phone jacket. Hey, we're leaving all this stuff in there for you, for the consumer. But I think f- as an Apple user and from the Apple perspective, you're like, Hey, I want you to make some choices about your design. And then you say, Hey, this is what our product is like. Here's the feature set that falls into that. Uh, 80% of users care about this much 80% of the time. Mm. And let's not try to incorporate that that extra twenty percent in because it brings our entire design aesthetic down a step. Yeah, and you kind of you appreciate the the work that's put into something like an iPhone or the Google Pixel. It's very refined. Every detail is thought about. Mm-hmm. And with this, the S nine, it seems like it's just another. It's another superhero movie that's come out. Another blockbuster. Yeah, movie that's. Or something that's that's kind of how I'm comparing it. It's all these movies that come out that are just just there to make money. Yeah, it, it really not is. not that the iPhone isn't there just to make money, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's almost like the uh, it's like quality are you trying to make quality, the, you know? yeah, or or are you, are you trying to make the Avengers too? You know, yeah, like just trying to appeal to the broadest um, audience, or are you trying to like have a have a message in your mm-hmm. movie and i think we'll we'll probably touch upon that topic again later on in this conversation but yeah. i think it's also relevant in technology as well yeah for sure and uh, now i'm going to start noticing discrepancies in des- in port design and different uh different devices now <laughs> i have to start looking at everything that i have differently <laughs> yeah yeah, not that it really matters, um, but I appreciate the uh, attention to the detail. Yeah, yeah. If if you're not paying 
hard attention and making sure that everything's symmetrical. And I mean, I'm sure that there are examples in Apple's design mm-hmm. where they've they've done this too, but not in a product like the iPhone. Right. I mean, this is their flagship phone. I mean, how much is this going to cost? Do you know? Uh, it's the same prices as an an iPhone. And, and the thing is, is yeah, so, you know, it's the same price as an iPhone, right? But, and they're like, well, you can expand the storage. But I feel like that's just so finicky. Like, how many users actually get the phone? And they're like, I'm going to put a memory card in here, right? And then it's like, well, the option is, hey, I can I can add that in there. So what? If you add 100, another 128 gigs or something, right? You're talking about adding another $100 that you're personally going to put in it and then your apps are going to mount weird and is your data on your phone or is it on the card and then you you get to make that choice is one perspective right you get mm-hmm. to to it empowers the users but i think that that's a very small subset of the population and most people would just say you know what if i'm going to be doing a lot of video or something i'm just gonna buy the phone with more storage and i don't even know if that's an option on the android side really yeah, I mean, I, I think that most of their their base models are sixty four gig, and then they're like, "Well, you can put a you can put a memory card in there if you want." And I I think it's just it's simpler if you buy the inbuilt storage. Oh, it's much more simple. Less yeah. moving parts. You know, what if your memory card fails? That yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, and and I mean, truthfully, if there was an option for an SD card on an iPhone, I would like that. But I, would my mom like that? Would <laughs> My grandma. Yeah, would would most of the people I know? I mean, no. So I think that, and I'm saying this as somebody who's never made a product and (laughs) fully admitting that, like, you know, I'm not, it's way above my pay grade to make those kind of decisions. But I think if it were my company, I would definitely encourage um, my team to not give in to whatever the press was saying about my device or trying to hit all these expectations like mm-hmm. hey we're the headphone jack company you know <laughs> i would try to uh have a have a stronger opinion and i, I don't want to beat up on samsung but i think that they as a team should have a stronger opinion about their hardware and separate themselves on that not focus on what they have that's different than mm-hmm. it's almost like they're resting on their laurels here yeah i mean there's no there's not much originality in this phone at all and it doesn't seem like it's trying to compete with any phone yeah and let's be real the first time you use it and those menus don't scroll around and you're like this is the most powerful phone that is on the android side and it, you can't even scroll it around and Let's not even get into the benchmarks. Like the benchmarks, this thing is like as fast as an iPhone 7. Mm -hmm. Because the Samsung experience skin that they have on top of Android, it's just, it bogs it down in a lot of ways. Yeah. That's why I'd be curious to uh, compare it to Google Pixel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I don't have any experience with that phone. Um, I would like to, but, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I'm really definitely locked into the <laughs> to the Apple ecosystem. And uh, do you follow Marquez Brownlee on YouTube at all? Yeah, yeah. He did. He did. He's MKBHD 
on Twitter and on YouTube if you want to check him out, guys. Um, and I'll post a link to it in his video, but he did, or in this podcast, but he did a video about um, ecosystem lock-in. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Um, if you, if you don't really know what that is, it means that, you know, so you have an iPhone and you use iMessage mm -hmm. and all your friends are blue bubbles and you get special things in group chats and stuff and you can like images. Yeah. There's a synergy between using your, so you have the, the watch and the iPhone. Yeah. And you check your, do you check your watch more for time or for notifications? Um, or for, uh, for apps. I definitely don't use it for apps. Uh, it, I have the, what is called now the series, the series zero. It's the first version of the watch and it's pretty slow, um, for apps, but mostly what I use it for is for the health, uh, factors. I think most people do. Yeah. And I also use it to unlock my Mac. So like, when I get down and move a key, it it unlocks everything. And I think it, you know, some of the newer Macs have have Touch ID and stuff. But I still feel like it's probably faster to just sit down, move the mouse, and the thing unlocks. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's it, it's like two factor authentication because I've put in a, a so it's it's actually here's a good example of um, of lock in. So I wake up in the morning and I put on my watch, and then I look at my phone. And it sees my face and unlocks my my phone, right? Which also then unlocks my watch. Then I get to work and sit down in front of my Mac, and it un and then my watch unlocks my Mac. So essentially, the only password I've used to get into three different devices is my face on my phone, which unlocks my watch, which unlocks unlocks my PC. So that that's a super powerful advantage. Yeah, and then soon your Mac will have Face ID. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. And then when I sit down and use my iPad and I have to put my fingerprint on there, it's just like barbarian level <laughs> savagery. <laughs> uh, I'm ready for that to go away. Yeah. That and wires. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think until you've used face ID on a regular basis, you don't, you don't really realize like how convenient it actually yeah. is. For a while I was noticing it every time and now it's every other time. I noticed that I'm actually using face ID. It works faster if you just try and unlock it and it, then hold it up instead of trying to look at it and have it unlock and then open it up. It seems to work better when you actually try to unlock the phone before you're even looking at it. Yeah. Like if you don't try to do it, like if you just swipe up, it seems to be much faster. You know what? I've noticed the same thing with Siri. If you, when you say, Hey Shlomo, if you just keep saying whatever you want, like if you're like, "Hey Shlomo, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow?" At that point, it hears it and does the command. But I think we're so programmed to look for some visual change on the screen. Yeah. So you're saying the trigger phrase, and then she's listening as soon as she hears that. So she'll start trying to parse your request even before your device throws any ui up so if there's a pro tip for this week i would say when you're giving commands to any of your smart assistants don't try to separate the trigger phrase from the command just say it all is one thing and it seems to work better that way
right. So today we should talk about apps. Yeah. Apps that we use or more, more so apps that we want to use more often. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you, I think you kind of get into a rut using the apps that you use every day and you're like, man, you see somebody do something cool. Right. And then you're like, man, I really want to use that application. And then you never get around to it. And for me, I just want to be more organized. I want to be more efficient and I, f- and I don't use apps enough to facilitate that. Yeah. So, so what are some of those apps? Well, first one for me is the notes app, which I think is a fantastic app. It's very, it's simple. It's easy to organize. You can't do a whole lot of organizing in it, but uh, sharing is really nice with other people who have notes. Like for example, we're using it right now for our notes for this episode and it's easy to share it, especially if you are both Apple users. Yeah, yeah, which, it, mean, <laughs> which harkens back to your locked-in ecosystem lock lock-in. Yeah, totally. Uh, me and my girlfriend use it to share our our grocery list, and um, you know, I'll add things during the week, and it's got check boxes beside it, so you can put those in there and check all items off as you purchase them throughout the week or while you're shopping. Um, it. We also have one note that we share that's just uh it's our it's our budget right and so you can do table views Mm -hmm. in there so like if you had two people's income you can have two columns with your expenses and see where you're at um in table view within notes and i think that and the the ability to um share along with those new buttons and also now the table views which came in ios 11 it makes it a super powerful tool yeah um there's one other super cool thing i heard on a podcast called connected the other day uh you can so like let's say that you're using let's say you're taking a trip right and you are using um let's say i, I don't know if OmniFocus is right but let's say you're using some task management system and you want to link to your notes right but you're you're using you're managing a project or some other aspect of your life in another application if you go to share the note with yourself it generates a link and then you can put that link into another application and then rather than having to open notes to get to that note you can open the application that you're working in tap that link it will open up the notes app and and so it, it basically gives you a direct link to the note so that you don't have to go back I guess and forth. Alternatively, you could force press onto the notes app and your most recent ones could be there or should be there, right? Yeah. I, I, and I'm so glad you said that. What about 3D touch? I want to use 3D touch more. I don't feel That's like a I good, do. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but I, I, I think I do use it a lot, but I, I don't think I use it enough. Like for for example that that right there with the notes app, mm-hmm. I had I had that thought before. I wish I could just easily get to a certain note without having to go through all. Actually, it opens up the most recent one that you were in. But if you want to go to another app, you could just force press or three D touch. Yeah, and so so let's see when you do a three D touch on the icon, it basically it gives you your most recent note, which is kind of cool. 
or you can open a new note. But it would be nice if you could customize that a bit further and like pin, like you can pin notes to the top. But if you could pin note and have it show up when you do the 3D touch action, that would also be really cool. Yeah. You can quickly get to a new note, new checklist, new photo, new sketch. And and the other app that I always forget to use 3D Touch, and I should use it way more, is in the Starbucks app. I, I do frequent Starbucks, and you can quickly pay, reload your car, or order, and it will take you to those three sections. And those happen to be like the three main functions I use. But I'm always like doing five taps, like opening the app and tapping on pay. And yeah, you got to break that habit yeah, at some yeah, point. Yeah. It's tough to, especially when you're so used to something, doing something a certain way. Yeah. And, you know, we've had this for what? This is the third generation of phones that have had 3D touch. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know that it's that it's taken off. And I think Apple needs to open it up a little bit more so that. You can customize those shortcuts. Yeah, that'd like be I, awesome. Like the developer can customize those and like Starbucks has, has done those three functions. But I think that should be left up to the user and it turns it almost more from an action into like a launcher. Yeah. Like you can customize the... Uh, or a custom launcher. It is a launcher, but a custom launcher. Similar to the um, the uh, control center. Now you can customize that in that way. I mean... the that's not something I thought we'd be able to customize. I'm glad we can, but yeah. And I feel like Apple has shown like they want to create more customizable applications, but I think that there are, they can go, they can take it further for sure. Yeah. Another app that I want to use more is the news app, which we've talked about a little bit before off mic. Yeah. But it's a great app and I don't use it. Yeah. So I would say that. On my phone, the apps that I use the most are probably Instagram and uh, Twitter and then news. Um, I check the news app for whatever's going on. I think I use it more frequently than I check Twitter for news. Or if I see news on Twitter, then I just launch the, the news app. Yeah, I don't use Twitter hardly at all anymore. Um because I would just use it for stories. That's what I use it for now, or news stories, or anything that's current, which is the best use of Twitter, I think. But uh, I really are, like are you the using app. the what Twitter app are you using? Are you using Twitter for iPhone, like meaning Twitter's official client? Uh, just the main Twitter app. Yeah. If you've never tried uh, Tweetbot, Tweetbot's an extremely popular app for people who have used Twitter for a very long time. And the reason it is, is because it, it doesn't have a lot of like the new things that Twitter thinks it should add. Like it, it doesn't have moments, for example, it's just a chronological list like of tweets. And um, it's fantastic if you're using a Mac because it syncs your timelines. So wherever you're at on your phone, when you go to your Mac, your iPad, that's where you're at. Um, Another great Twitter app, if you want to get into using Twitter more, is uh, Twitterific by the Icon Factory. Um, if you've never heard of this app, they they invented a lot of stuff that Twitter then kind of co-opted later on. Like, for example, 
they were the first people to use a blue bird to designate Twitter. They have this, their icon, it's this little character named Ollie and Twitter then started using a blue bird. They, they came up with at replies inside their application and Twitter has taken a lot of the conventions that it uses in its main platform from its third party application developers. That's fascinating. While simultaneously uh, limiting their tokens and how much they can have access to the Twitter API to the main like fire hose of tweets, you know? So it's, 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 it's really weird. And I, I personally don't ever use the Twitter app because it doesn't do the things that I expect my right. Twitter client to do. Anymore. Yeah. I think staying current with the news and everything that's happening in the world is important. And, uh, that I think using something like Twitter or the news app more often would be a good way to get a, a bunch of different sources. Yeah. And, and, and the news app is super great because I don't find that it has, it has like an opinion about the news. And, you know, I think when you start to editorialize the news, when you're in an application or when you're at Apple scale, it's not good because you've got a lot of power. So, uh, while Apple probably holds with a lot of my ideals as a company, like their ethos is probably similar to my views. I don't necessarily want them to be, you know, what I would consider my left leaning bias. Like, I don't want to see that all the time. I want to see, I want to see the Fox news and everything else, just so I have context for what other people are seeing. It makes you yeah, a more well-balanced news citizen, you know? Right. I've been in need of a new weather application. <laughs> and I know this is like, well, you, there's like a million weather applications, <laughs> right? So, uh, when I'm vetting a news application, there's a couple things I want it to, to have. I want it to have a pretty good uh, weather complication for the Apple Watch. I want it to have a good iOS app that's up to date and is maintaining the conventions of the platform. And for me, that just means uh, fits the iPhone 10 screen and is not a little square. And, um, I think I'm going to try carrot weather. Carrot weather is like this, uh, uh, this homicidal robot that just is always like your life's terrible. Here's the news or here's the weather. Um, but you can turn off a lot of that quippy stuff now yeah, and kind of just get this really beautiful weather app. And, um, I think I'm going to give that a try. Mine's been letting me down lately. The, the, which one have you been using the main one? Uh, no, I've been using an app called Weatherline for a few years. Um, Weatherline's cool because it's just, you can kind of scroll infinitely to the, to the right and it just takes you forward in time. And then you can sort it by, uh, hourly or daily or monthly. And it just kind of gives you like, like a, a, a graph of mm -hmm. what the weather's like and you can see trends. It's also got dark sky integration. Uh, care weather also has dark sky integration. I, kind of expect that from from an application yeah. but so you've got duolingo on here tell me about that one <clears throat> duolingo is a free uh language learning application uh-huh and i used it a while back and i haven't i actually just started a new account because i couldn't couldn't remember my password and i just want to start fresh and my email wasn't in there that i normally use so but you can have all all of the uh the language courses they have 
you can have it saved in your profile. So the top I have German, Spanish, Japanese, French, and Swedish. Obviously, I'm not going to learn all of the all of those, but I'd like to have the option to switch. Right now, I'm I'm trying to learn German and then Spanish. I would think it would be French. I think you've been spending a lot of time in Canada. Uh, French French would be cool. I've tried it before, and it was a little difficult. <laughs> German's a little bit easier, and I've taken really? Spanish. Before. You think so? Yeah, a lot. Of, like man, the word for man is man with an extra n at the. Oh, okay. So you know, okay. Yeah. French is you don't even say the whole word. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I don't really. I, I for some reason I guess just because of. Uh, france's proximity to the uk i would think that they would be like more similar but they're more of a latin language whereas or a latin derivative whereas english is a mixture of a lot of things but i think it's more of a germanic uh etymology yeah so the app is cool it's it's more of a game than a lesson and you get uh-huh. points, and oh, cool. points give you extra lives. So if you mess up in the lesson too much, then you got to start over, which I like a lot. But you can get extra lives if you save up points. Is it a concept of like friends or leaderboards? Uh, you can. You, there are leaderboards, and there are also sections where you can, uh, I think, you can read an article and translate it, and other people will check it, I think. There's, mm-hmm. there's a whole community for that, I believe. Uh, and there are leaderboards, but I don't have any fr- friends on it. So, um, but yeah, it's a great app. I just, I want to start trying to learn another language again. So I really like doing that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, and this makes it fun and easy. Yeah. I feel like being in the U.S., you know, you can be super isolated from other languages and then you realize like, oh my gosh, there's a whole other world out there. And, I only speak this one. Thankfully, English is the language of the internet, <laughs> which helps. The common language. Yeah. Yeah, so Duolingo is another one that I really want to start using more. Um, and then one that one app that I just started using, that I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to keep using it, is Sling TV or Sling Television. You have YouTube TV, which I, I might try out. I did, but I let it lapse. I, I, I only had it for the Olympics, and I think uh, I, I the way I'm treating these TV services is like, hey, is there a major world sporting event going on? Like, when the World Cup happens, I'm going to get it again. Mm-hmm. Um, when the Summer Olympics are back, I'm going to get it again. So I, I do love the flexibility of mm-hmm. these applications, and I feel like they all want to charge you around $40 a month. And then they'll give you a certain subset of channels, but it includes most of the major sporting events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the Olympics or, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like it. I got it because I, there was a, there's a basketball game on that I wanted to watch that was on NBA TV, which they had on Sling and it's free for seven days. So I have it on my Xbox. I have it on my phone. I like the cloud DVR, which is an extra five bucks a month. I can record anything. Uh, and I can watch it on my phone. I can watch live TV on my phone, which is cool. But I mean, that's been around, but I've not used any app like it before. So I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. I think YouTube TV also didn't stick for me because, well, for a couple of reasons. A, I really hate commercials. And now when I see them, I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. Like, yeah. 
how do we do this? And then the other thing is YouTube TV is not available on any of the streaming boxes which we own in our house. So we have a PlayStation 4, which it doesn't work on. Uh, the Switch, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a Fire TV, and Google and Amazon are like mortal enemies right now. Um, to the point where they're like pulling YouTube off a lot of their things. Yeah. And uh, so there's no YouTube TV app there. Um, so during the Olympics, I would have to hook my TV, uh, my laptop up to my TV. And the worst part is I had to, it only works in Google Chrome. So it was like strike, strike, yeah. strike. So um, you should, you should try Sling TV. It's first, first week is free. So check it out. Yeah, um, I will. It's cool. I like it. And you get a, there's different tiers. You get, Sling's been doing it for forever. Yeah, yeah. They really they've been at it for a while, and I think they've refined it and made it easier to use. Uh, Do you know how it worked back in the day? Like you used to buy a sling box, Mm -hmm. and you would hook that into your cable box, and then that would stream your actual subscription from your cable provider over the internet to your phone or iPad or wherever. Yeah, now it's just an app, which is great. Yeah. 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 I don't even know if the hardware component of the sling experiences is still a thing anymore. Uh, I think you can get it on your fire stick. You can get it on any of those kind of stream. I think it's on pretty much anything. Yeah. But I don't know if they actually make their own hardware box. Oh, right. Anymore. No, I, I don't, I don't think they do. I mean, there's no real point. Save a lot of money, not making hardware focus on the software. Yeah. You also have, uh, hoopla on here and that's one that i've been wanting to use too yeah um so what hoopla is is hoopla allows you to read uh and browse specifically three kinds of content from your library Mm -hmm. and it seems like it's comic books movies and audiobooks from what i can tell there's no there's no other books there's there's graphic novels yeah but it's specifically focused on those three things yeah i think it's great and i'm basically Basically, I'm trying to get my life together. I'm trying to learn languages. I'm trying to read more. I'm trying to, I guess, watch cable TV. <laughs> <laughs> the most essential. Yeah, yeah. Growing up. Yeah. But uh, I really think uh, it, it's it's awesome not having to go anywhere to use the library. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, especially I'm trying to, I need to read more comic books. I need to just read more in general. I ha- I have a lot of books like hard copies and that i that i need to read but you save so much money not buying everything that you're reading even though you have to watch or read it on your phone or if you have an ipad that's even better but i don't have an ipad uh but it's very convenient and it's free so i should use it yeah it's a it's a fantastic application and it's so great because you just sign in with your library card which is free and then you get 10 items a month that you can read in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've never hit the limit since I've been using it. Yeah, neither have I. Um, but again, I haven't been using it very much. I think what I need to do with all these apps, um, at least uh, I have one that on my Mac that um, we can talk about. But all the ones on my iPhone, I should rearrange my home screen, I think. And put the apps that I want to use not in folders and just have them right there. Um, 
because I, I have a bunch of I need to just delete a bunch of apps that I don't use. Yeah, there's so many apps on my phone. Yeah, I I also have a content app that I want to use, and that's that's Apple Music. You know, it's such, oh yeah, it's such a fantastic. I use it every day. Yeah, it, it's such a fantastic service, and I use it when I'm driving, and sometimes when I'm at work and just at my desk or whatever. But I listen to a lot of podcasts, and mm-hmm. I think that the amount of podcasts that I listen to it kind of eats into the amount of music that I listen to. Right. And I want to uh, step up my music listening a little bit more because, you know, I pay a lot of money for for that service throughout the year. Yeah, it's and, one of my favorite apps. Yeah. And I do have the family subscription. So I do share that with Whitney and Lyric. So I think they get some use out of it. I think Lyric actually uses, he has access to a Spotify premium account through his mother. So I think he uses Spotify more, which... It's ironic that my kid is <laughs> uses Spotify and I don't really third party. Yeah, well, I, I just don't really know that app that well, or your son very well. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. physically, I'm a terrible father. That's what this comes down to. Um, I mean, Spotify is good. Uh, I used it for a, for when it for a long time, and I had the premium account. Uh, I hated the playlist. I hated that you couldn't like pin a whole album, and that may have changed since I used it last. I think but. it might have um, function functionally. They're pretty much the same. There's a lot more people who use Spotify. I have a free one, so I can send people who have Spotify songs that don't have Apple Music. I wish there was a way to somehow send something from Apple Music to or Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, yeah, that's never going to happen. They hate each other. Yeah, but how cool would that be mm-hmm. to be able to just share it and then the pops up at the bottom? You know, you have all your share options, and Spotify could be one. Yeah, and you one know- day. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. And I, I totally don't regret paying for Apple Music every month because I love having the option to, to you know, just pull up whatever song I want to listen to whenever. So yep. it's like, uh, it's one of the most worth it um, services that I use, whether I listen to, you know, four hours of music a month or 40 hours. Yeah. Um, so we both have a few. Uh, desktop based apps. Yes. Um, <clears throat> you have Logic on there, and I have Cinema 4D. Um, Logic is what we're recording on right now. Uh, it's basically like Pro Tools for uh, for Mac only. Uh, but it's great. It's very simple to use, very easy, as all uh, Apple products try to be. Yeah, so if you've never used um well if you've if you if you're listening to this and you've never recorded a podcast, um Logic is is an audio editor, a multi-track audio editor that provides a visual timeline and it's a little bit skeuomorphic in its design. Like there are there are knobs and buttons and things that you can adjust your sliders just as if you were sitting in one one of those in a recording studio right. in front of one of those big audio boards. But anybody who has a Mac and two hundred dollars mm-hmm. can have access to the software. And if you have a Mac and you have GarageBand on there, it looks very similar. Yeah, yeah. And and if you're just getting into <laughs> podcasting, you can uh, use GarageBand. Yeah, but you have a lot more options available to to make it sound better. I guess. Yeah, I'm explaining it like it's like from five. <laughs> yeah. Also, I love that we're talking about this. <laughs> so if if Nick were not a part of this podcast. 
then you know I would have just been recording this into GarageBand. I, that's probably where my skill level is at, and probably what I should be doing. But um, it's it's nice that we are using this more professional tool, and it's so powerful. And you know, me and you have kind of been splitting the editing duties a little bit, and yeah. I think that's 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 going to help me with that application. Yeah, and I I like using it a lot. It's very uh, aesthetically pleasing and pretty intuitive. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Once you once you get a handle of all the short keys and to make it faster, it makes it a lot like you can hide windows really easily with just a press of a button. Um, yeah. So tell me about. Cinema 4D. I've heard about this before, but Cinema 4D is incredible. It's probably the coolest program, I guess, creative program there is. You can make anything that you want that you can think of. Uh, video game designers might use it, or graphics for so you can do animation. CGI. Uh, you can do animation. You can create anything out of a block of. Could you also Bloody. just edit a movie in it? I mean, could you? Just... Um, I'm not sure you would do that uh, necessarily, but you would create. You could, can you, you import could... uh, like assets or like yeah. game sprites and manipulate them? So I know you can if you make something in Photoshop and you can put it into Cinema 4D and add textures to it and add an environment. It you can anything you think of you can create. Does you can create a guy like, like riding a bike. If you import like a like a three D image from from some Adobe product, like whether it's InDesign or Photoshop or whatever, yeah, if you drag that in, will it create points of attenuation on the characters and I allow believe, you to animate them? I believe you can do that, or you can also do it vice versa. If you create something and you can in Cinema four D, you can render it out to be able to be uh, manipulated in another program. Yeah. So could you take like, you know, if you were doing motion capture and you and you captured all your points of attenuation, could you then take that article or, or that that character into into Photoshop and then Yeah, like, yeah, okay. for sure. Uh it's great with adding textures. About, I don't really yeah. know much about it either. My brother in law is really good at it, but uh I'll have him teach me. Are you trying to make a CG Nash? Is there a, a push? No, but Shane, he he could he could do it. I mean, he uses After Effects a lot too, which is another good program that you can do anything you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just like having all that control at your fingertips. Yeah, ha- having having that kind of power at your at your disposal at your job is is awesome. And that and that kind of actually leads into you know one of the last things that I wanted to talk about, and that's Text Expander. So what is that? So Text Expander. Do you know how when you're on your iPhone and you type in uh, OMW, it automatically expands to on my way? With an exclamation? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, so Text Expander is a very old Mac app that allows you to create text snippets for all your commonly used email replies. If you're like, if your job requires you to create support tickets um you can standardize it across like if you had a team they have text expander for teams and you could share it with a group of people i want something to save keystrokes in my life right and 
I, I haven't I haven't started using this application for two reasons. A, it's a monthly subscription, which monthly subscriptions for software are tough if your job isn't paying for it, right? And then um also I don't do a lot of a lot of email. Like I don't have to do a ton, but what I do do, I would like to standardize a bit more and to make my communication more consistent with clients. And I think that uh Text Expander would be cool to use that. I just, there may be other simpler things I can just do with Automator on my Mac and figure that out. And if you guys own a Mac and you don't know what Automator is, you should look it up. So it's a big rabbit hole, but it saves <laughs> me a lot of time. Like um, when I sit down at my computer, I can hit essentially three keys on my keyboard and my whole work environment comes up with all my windows where i want them and then if i'm done and i just want to like watch a movie or something i can hit another keystroke and all that goes away so automation on computers is something that we don't as a society use as much like we thought in the future like computers were going to do all this stuff for us it feels like we're doing all this stuff on our computers when our computers should be doing all this stuff for us they have the power and to do it we just Nobody that I know takes advantage of uh, their of the full capability of their. You only use ten percent of your brain. Yeah, you only <laughs> use five percent of your computer. You know, it's just it's crazy. So we tend to talk a lot about Apple. So we've, we've thought, you know, this is supposed to be a technology podcast, right? This is an Apple podcast. We're thinking about doing a little section that we call Apple Corner. And that's where we talk about the uh, relevant news coming out of Cupertino. And specifically this week, I wanted to talk about um, the future of the MacBook and Mac laptops. It seems like there's the MacBook, there's the MacBook Pro, and then there's also the MacBook Air. Um, and when you see the MacBook and then you see the MacBook Pro, you're like, okay, that makes sense. You've got the MacBook and then you've got the MacBook Pro. Well, I think that Apple's most, prep, maybe its most popular laptop, I mean, it, it, I know from just being out in the world and seeing people using them, everybody and their brother has a MacBook Air. A lot of people do. Yeah. And and there are these rumors coming out that um Apple is about to update the MacBook Air. So so what does that mean? Why do you think that they would update that computer? I thought they were gonna phase out the air mm-hmm. because and let's say try to make it even thinner than the MacBook Pro is now, which it's thinner than the Air is. Uh, yeah, it's 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 thinner. It's thinner all around than the MacBook Air is at its thickest point. So at like the top of the mm-hmm. wedge, the MacBook, MacBook for sure, and then the MacBook Pros are both thinner than that. So what's the point in making a less powerful, slightly cheaper alternative? That's going to have probably less functionality. 
Yeah, and then and then you know, so when the the original MacBook was released, uh, I thought, well, this is going to be the replacement for the MacBook Air, but that's that's not how it shook out. And I think I think that's because the MacBook, while from a technologist perspective, is a more interesting computer. It's got it's got a nicer screen. Mm-hmm. It has no fan in the MacBook case. In the MacBook Pro case, it's far more powerful. Um, than a MacBook Air. But what the MacBook Air has is it has legacy ports. It has USB ports. It has a micro SD card slot. Um, and I think that when you're viewing it through the lens of cutting edge technology, you forget that most people, uh, if you take all that stuff away and then you're just putting USB-C ports, that's kind of a liability because then none of their old stuff works, right? Yeah. So... I think that's probably why they've kept it around. You think they'll, when they update the air, are they going to try to cater to those people who want more ports and want more of a basic laptop? Is this going to be their basic laptop? Um, or is this going to be in between the MacBook and the MacBook Pro? I, uh, I think, I think just like they've done with the iPads, how they've gone to the iPad and the iPad Pro model, they're going to do the same thing with the apple line i'm sure that they wanted to do that i think they probably couldn't do their do that because of the price constraints around the displays in the macbook pros and the macbook you know the little thin macbook so i think they're now producing those retina displays the larger ones that you would find on a laptop at a Mm -hmm. scale that they're able to bring those features down market a little bit so i think what we'll see I, I don't think it'll be at this event on Wednesday. There's a, there's a, well, it's not this Wednesday, but it's March the 27th. They're holding an education event in Chicago. And um, I don't think that they'll actually announce it there, but maybe this, this summer WWDC, which was announced for June 4th, um, maybe they'll announce it there. It seems like that'd be a good place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we'll get back to the, two laptop strategy of having you know a macbook macbook pro and i think they'll they may do away with the 12 inch and just have an entry level Mm. 13 inch macbook at the 999 price point um and then you know if you want to step up to a little bit more power then they'll have the macbook pro and then uh yeah it's just I, I think their lineups all over the place and I think it's just I think it's just a factor of cost it has been up to this point. So to end this episode, we're gonna talk about three more things. One in particular has taken over your life. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about this this part of the conversation. So in this section, we may not talk strictly about technology, but we're going to talk about the things that are having an impact on our life. Mm-hmm. And it probably will end up being about technology, yeah. mostly. Yeah. And so the thing that I've been kicking around and loving lately is Skyrim for Switch. So everybody I know knows everything about skyrim yeah, and the dragonborn yeah <laughs> and 
the Dovahkiin and all all the yeah, but you never you never played it before. Yeah, so so I kind of I'm coming at this as somebody who never touched Skyrim in 2011, never uh, got into the into the game. I was I was in 2011. I was busy raising a three year old, so it was you know a crazy time in my life. Yeah, and I didn't have a lot of video game time. But Skyrim for Switch for Switch is a, it's a, I mean I, I can't even believe I'm saying this. It's a giant RPG. If you don't know about it now, that seems you should odd. definitely play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's it's amazing. It's 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 such a massive and expansive game mm-hmm. with with you could just literally just make armor, and that just could be what you did as yeah. the game. Like you don't have to interact with the main storyline at all. Mm-hmm. And the flexibility of the game combined with the portability of the Switch is a lethal yes. combination. It's one of those games that they don't need to make another one. They didn't need to make another one anytime soon, like Grand Theft, Grand Theft Auto V, which is still going strong, I yeah. assume. Yeah, it's kind of been in continuous development for like six years. Mm. And now, well, with the mod- modification community, it's yeah. it's got its a whole nother life, yeah. PC. And then I think, well, I know on Fallout 4, you can do some modifications on Xbox. I'm not sure about Skyrim. Skyrim Maybe. for PC for sure you can. Yeah, I, for sure. I mean, I saw one mod that was like uh it was like a Beauty and the Beast mod where you like could just like go around and and find the best prince and go to different balls and there's one where like all the characters are nude. I mean, it's, it's Yeah. There's yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's all over the place. But it's it's a game that takes over your life. <laughs> yeah so for sure so i've had this game for around three to four weeks and i think i've already put in i you know what i'm not even gonna say how many hours it is but <laughs> suffice to say it's a lot yeah yeah um something that's been on my mind lately has been my playstation 3 um classic system released by sony it's funny that that's a classic it's become a classic now. It's been <laughs> yeah. long enough, I guess. Well, I mean, well, I mean, it's since 2013, there. right? Yeah, I think 2013 uh, was the place for the PlayStation Four. Um, yeah, I believe so. And I have so many games for it. So I have. Let me just read some of these. Uh, Little Big Planet Two, which is actually really fun. That's a great game. I played that. Um, I have some Call of Duties. I have Beyond Two Souls, which has Willem Dafoe and Ellen Page in it. I don't know if you remember that game, but it's I I, I saw it at the game. time. Yeah, uh, it's a lot like uh, Oh Heavy Rain, same made by the same people, I believe, which is an incredible detective game. Um, I recommend this game highly. Uh, it's story driven. It's not action. Well, there's some action in it. But... And, and so, guys, if you want to play any of these games, a lot of them. You can now play on the PlayStation 4 if yeah. you buy them from the PlayStation Store. Um, Last of Us, obviously, is a great game. Yes. Uh, I have Bioshock 1 and 2. I have Oblivion, which came before Skyrim. Yeah, after Morrowind, yeah. before Skyrim. Um, Shadow of Colossus. Uh, Metal, Gear, Metal Gear Solid 4, which is one of my favorite games. I have Skyrim, which I, I'm not sure if I can play. Far Cry, Metal Gear Solid's. So on and so forth. I have more that are downloaded on the system. The last time I tried to start it up, would not start. Have you tried to stick any of these games in your PlayStation? Well, I can't even get it to go to the menu. So I feel like some of the games have they've started to convert over. 
right? So I feel like if you, there may be some that you can stick in and it will download a patch. I mean, it, it, is that a thing? I, I I don't really know. I know. I have to start up because last time I think it, it might be the hard drive might have failed or something. I need, yeah, it's been a while. You, oh, wait, you don't have a PlayStation 4. I'm, I I'm sitting here asking you, hey, can you stick these in? And then I just remembered. <laughs> like, no, I have an Xbox One. You have yeah. a PS4. I like the diversity, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. But yeah, so I want to see if I can get that fixed or, or running so I can start playing these games. Although, I mean, I keep saying I played my N64 again. It's hooked up to my TV. Just got to change the input. I don't play it. Well, so I, I fully expect on the next episode for you to let us know uh, if you got your PlayStation 3 yeah. up and running. I'm going to try that tonight. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and last thing is uh, we want to talk about Black Panther, the movie, which yes. has kind of taken over a lot of conversations. Yes. So um, I've not seen it, but you have seen it. Yeah. So, man, I, I have so many thoughts about this movie. Um, Black Panther is, I think it's taken over the spot that was previously held by the Winter Soldier as being my favorite uh, Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things that make this movie great. First of which is the scale of the movie smaller. Like, I like smaller stories. Like, when the whole world's at stake and there's it's so hard to like draw the viewer's attention through the story mm -hmm. and maintain focus throughout and so i get kind of lost in like the avengers 2 yeah. it's just so big right um sounds relatable yeah yeah and the cool thing about this movie and i'm not i'm not going to give any spoilers because obviously you haven't seen it but the there's no crossover with any of the other marvel movies i mean there's references to King T'Challa's father dying in in uh, Civil War, mm. but there's no like you know Iron Man doesn't show up in the middle of the movie. Um, the way it presents, you know, um, a, a universe of superheroes that a are not all Caucasian. There's there's not very many white people in this movie. Uh, Martin Short is in it. He's he's very good. Uh, is his name Martin Short? Martin, oh, there is a Martin Short. I don't know if he's in the movie or not. Martin Freeman. That's right. Yeah. So Martin Freeman is really great. And also Andy Serkis, who is not a character, like meaning he's not in heavy makeup. He's just just playing, a person. Yeah, just playing a person. Uh, he's a fantastic villain. Um, and basically, it's like it's a story about brotherhood and a successful non-colonialized African powerhouse and what they can offer the world. And I think that, combined with its treatment of very strong women, make it such just a relevant film for our time with all the all the tribalism and the white supremacists that are that we've been fighting back against it's a fantastic film and um just go see it it's great like wakanda forever it's awesome. <laughs>